and welcome to another lockdown edition of Order Order, Mail Plus Radio's politics podcast. With me, Simon Walters, Assistant Editor of the Daily Mail. And me, Amanda Patel, columnist for the Daily Mail, in my house in North London for more weeks than I can even remember now. Coming up, what do hedgehogs, turtles and, yes, bats have in common? They all hibernate. And so has Britain for the last four months, thanks to COVID. But not anymore, says the Prime Minister. Our long national hibernation is beginning to come to an end and life is returning to our streets and to our shops. The bustle is starting to come back. We discuss what it'll be like now we can go back to doing all the things that matter most in life, going to the pub, playing bingo and visiting model villages. But why schools still won't be fully open until September at the earliest. And Business Secretary Alok Sharma denies the government has put business over the nation's health in a desperate attempt to get the economy moving. If we had reopened the whole of the economy on day one, uh, quite rightly, Simon, you were asking me why we're doing that. Uh, and my response to that uh, on this occasion is to say to you that we understand that there are risks involved and that's why we're reopening in a very cautious manner. But don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google and Spotify, or leave us a review and email us at any time at orderorder at mailplus .co.uk. Well, if you believe Boris Johnson, there's finally a light at the end of the COVID tunnel. Amanda, looking back, what's it been like to you? Has it really been that bad? Oh, yes, Simon, it's been very bad. I mean, I've been living on my own with my cat, Ted, for a very long time. He's great company, but it's been, yeah, it's been pretty miserable. And, and this is fantastic news in so many ways. I mean, one of the things I'm looking forward to most is that, that my church is going to open. But, you know, they're banning singing. Oh, I, know. I heard that. Well, I, it's, I think it's because when you sing loudly, the air droplets from your mouth go a long way and probably quite a long way in your case, being Australian. <laughs> I have to say it's a tragedy for me that I can't sing, but... Probably not a tragedy for the um, for my fellow <laughs> church goers. Well, they can take their earplugs out at last when they sit in church. <laughs> That'd be true. And so, Simon, what have you missed? Uh, what have I missed? Going to the cinema. I love going to the cinema, although the, the, some of the films on the TV have been terrific. Um, and music gigs. I like going to a few music gigs, but they're, they're not really they're not really starting up yet. And a haircut. Goodness me. I mean, Boris Johnson needs a haircut. I think I'm I'm growing a mullet at the moment, so that's going to have to go. Um, I think well, it quite it quite suits you, Simon. Really? I think that that kind of um, sort of eighties um, um, rock chic really works for you. Yeah. Oh, baby. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Thank you. And, <laughs> and, and how about you, uh, Amanda? I mean, the um, tattoo um, tattoo parlors aren't open yet, so that's out. <laughs> I've contemplated any small thing that I could do to change my life. No, it's just I just can't wait. I mean, basically, I can't wait to um, to get back to the pub, and I can't wait to get married um, because they're now all going to be okay. Uh, I didn't know you had a boyfriend. Oh, I don't. Um, um, Maybe I should go make. I go to the pub first to find one. I'm going to marry the first guy that asks me. Okay, the churches are open. It's for a reason. Dum dum ta dum 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 ta dum. What will you miss most now that this phase is coming to an end? Anything in particular? Well, I, I have to say, call me an anorak, but I'm going to miss the the daily briefings because um, you know the first one had what something like 12 million people watched it. I know that dwindled. 
but it really made us feel as though we were kind of part of the information process. And yeah, I'm going to miss that. Although it did kind of surprise me that only three women have done the briefings out of 99 of them. Bit odd. Yeah, that 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 is a problem the government's got. Well, I think, and also the 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 two most outstanding performers there, I think, were the chief medical officer Chris Whitty and the chief science officer Patrick Vallance. And I think Whitehall civil servants get a get a pretty bad press, but I think these two guys have showed actually that we do have some of the best in the world. I mean, the the authority and the calmness that they have showed. I think compares very well, certainly with government ministers who at times have looked all over the place. We've, we've got some examples of um, these two men at their best. But don't be fooled that this means it's gone away. The disease is growing across the world. It's coming down in the UK, but it hasn't gone away. And we need to be absolutely sure that with the new relaxation, that we stay rigorously to the things that need to happen in order to stop the spread contact to contact, to stop the networks of spread developing and to make sure that COVID secure really means COVID secure by the way we all adhere to it. That was Sir Patrick Valance and here is his partner Chris Whitty. This is a balance of risk. It's like many things in medicine. You don't go for operation unless you absolutely have to. It's a balance of risk uh, and uh, I think that this is a reasonable balance of risk. It is not risk-free. Absolutely not risk-free. Nobody thinks it is and we may at some point say that particular bit of the decisions that were taken is too much of a risk in, with the benefit of hindsight and we have to go back on it. But it is a balance of risk informed by uh, reasonable professional judgments. Uh, as Patrick has said, the job of advisors is not to sign things off, it is to give advice. Yeah, that, that was a very powerful performance by those two men yesterday. And um, it was quite clear, I thought, Amanda, that um, there's a tension between the, between the two, the medics and the scientists, and the government. And you can clearly see they were putting down markers there, I thought, those two men, saying... Well, we've got to be well aware of the risks here. This is the position and it's the government that decides. And it felt to me like they were saying, we've given advice, but the buck stops with the man in the middle, Boris. Yeah, absolutely. And, and while Boris was announcing that we now have the one metre plus rule, um, you could see very clearly that both, um, both Chris and Pat, as I like to call them, the father figures of the nation during this coronavirus, um, they were putting two metres between themselves and the Prime Minister <laughs> and the politicians. Yeah, uh, they, they, they clearly feel a bit, of, a bit of social distancing may be necessary for when the inevitable inquiry comes out in about yeah. six months or a year's time. When, when that happens, let's not forget that these guys have worked night and day tirelessly to try and keep the nation safe. You know, if, if we end up with a witch hunt over who advised what and where, I would just hope that we would remember that these guys have given that kind of service, you know, to the nation, which has been quite incredible. Business Secretary Alok Sharma was sixth in the league table of ministers appearing at the number 10 COVID briefings, ahead of more prominent figures such as Michael Gove and Priti Patel, a mark of his rising cabinet status, I'd say. A trained physicist, Sharma rejects the idea that the government ignored scientists' advice to ease the lockdown more slowly. He also revealed his own post-COVID priorities, a holiday in Cornwall and a pint in the pub. Alok, uh, you, you are a physicist. Um, I would have thought that your, uh, you would have erred on the side of caution along, alongside your scientists on the SAGE committee, rather than the slightly more risky approach the government has taken. 
Well, Simon, we, we have urged on the, uh, on, the, on the cautious approach, on a very balanced approach. That's why we have opened up the economy step by careful step. Uh, rather than with one big giant leap. But but isn't there a danger, as, as the scientists pointed out at the press conference yesterday in Downing Street, um, that, that you're fooling people into thinking that this has gone away when it hasn't? Uh, well, I think the Prime Minister was very, very clear yesterday. He explained why we were doing this cautiously. He also explained uh, what we would regrettably have to do uh, in terms of uh, reinforcing measures if things get out of control and uh, we reverse the... Uh, the, the, the good that well, I was going to ask you about that because in, in Germany, there's, there's a town in Germany where there's been a flare-up of the virus and, and they've introduced a lockdown in that town. Uh, is that the kind of measure that you think you might take here if that happens in Britain? Well, uh, I think what we've uh, said very clearly is that, uh, you know, the most effective way of, of managing uh, uh, these outbreaks is through local management. And that's effectively the first line of protection that we have against a second wave. Uh, as you know, what... Uh, we are also going to be asking uh, pubs and restaurants and hairdressers to do is take a note uh, for a 21-day period uh, for people who come into their establishment. Um, the, the governor of the Bank of England said this week that he fears some businesses may never reopen after this crisis. Is, is, that, is that clearly the case, Alok? Uh, well, uh, you know, we have put in place uh, unprecedented support, Simon. So, you know, over a hundred and four billion pounds of support uh, in terms of supporting individual jobs, in terms of supporting individual businesses through grants, through loans. And if I just say to you that, you know, nine point two million jobs are currently being protected by the furlough scheme, and politicians always talk in these big numbers, but you know. You know, when you really look at this, it is individuals uh, in our constituencies up and down the country uh, whose jobs are being protected, whose livelihoods are being protected, who are able to support their families. And frankly, if we hadn't put all this support in place, uh, we would not be in a position to bounce back. But of course, it is the case, and the Chancellor's made this very clear and been very candid about this, is that sadly, we're not going to be able to protect every job. We're not going to be able to protect... No, you're not. Which, 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 which sectors do you think are the most vulnerable? Well, uh, you know, the, uh, we've, of course, required uh, businesses to close uh, in certain sectors since the 23rd of, of March. And that's why we've ensured there's been particular support through a one-year rates holiday in the retail sector, in leisure, in hospitality. Uh, but the good news now is that uh, those uh, particular uh, sets of businesses are being allowed to reopen in a careful and phased manner. Uh, and I hope what we will see is an economic bounce back and e economic resurgence, which is what we all want. Nothing would give me more pleasure than to have the whole of the economy open tomorrow. But we know we can't do that because we need to make sure that we meet our five tests. We need to make sure we keep people safe. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, the key priority for us is to make sure that we protect the health and safety of the public. And when we protect the health and safety of the nation, we also protect the health and safety of the economy. That, that, that is your key priority. And, and, and if you fail to do that and there's a second peak, you're all going to be in trouble, aren't you? Well, I think none of us want to see, see a second peak. And, and frankly, you know, all of us. Uh, want to no, but you have you have increased the risk of a second peak by by erring a little bit on the side of risk to get the economy going rather than caution purely protect to protect health, haven't you? 
Well, uh, there is always a balance of risk in these judgments, and uh, ministers make decisions. We will ha- stand by the decisions that we make, but that is why we've done this in a very cautious way. I mean, if we had reopened the whole of the economy on day one, uh, quite rightly, Simon, you were asking me why we're doing that, uh, and my response to that uh, on this occasion is to say to you that we understand uh, that there are risks involved, and that's why we're reopening in a very cautious manner. Now, the Prime Minister has said that what he's looking forward to most uh, from, from these measures is to have a haircut, and so say all of us, I think will be most people's reaction to that one, and to go to the theatre. The Chancellor, Ricky Sunak, said he can't wait to go to the pub. Um, Alok, what are you looking forward to um, from, as a result of the lockdown easing? Well, I am looking forward to having a pint of my favourite ale, and I'm not going to give you the, the name, Simon, uh, <laughs> because... I will just end up jinxing its sales. But what I can promise you... Well, it be- that- since you're the MP well, for Reading, it, be- you it better be courage. So, so, Simon, <laughs> let me make your promise, is that uh, when in July things are reopened, why don't we go for a beer and I will <laughs> buy you a pint of my favourite ale. OK, and, and holidays, um, we, 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 we can start to plan holidays at the moment. Um, uh, I suspect you're, you're, you're not probably one of, the, one of the, 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 those who favour camping, like most people at our age. But um, have you booked a holiday this, this summer, Alok? No, we, we haven't. Uh, we, we normally alternate, and this is our year to uh, go back to Cornwall. Um, uh, unfortunately, we, uh, you know, we got into this pandemic, so we've not had a chance to book anything. But I can tell you, uh, we're going to be frantically looking online to see what we can find. Uh, and actually, this is a great opportunity for all of us to support uh, local businesses, to support uh, businesses in places like the Southwest, to have our staycations. I mean, let's make this the big year of the uh, the British holiday where we all go out and support our local economies around the country. I think Alok's one of those who's had quite a good COVID war, actually, in the Cabinet. I mean, he was pretty little known before this started, but he, he hasn't really dropped the ball in the, in the daily briefings. And um, I think it's a great thing because it, it's, a, it's a third ethnic minority member of the cabinet. Richie Sunak's had a good COVID war. Pretty Patel has after a week's start. And I think Sharma's come through. I think he's going to be a significant, significant figure in the next few years. Yeah, I'm, I, I agree. He's very impressive. Um, and we certainly need to have more diversity in the cabinet which I'm sure Boris will get on to. But, but Jesus, Simon, a pint of ale, is that all he's dreaming of? I'm dreaming of a pint of rosé when I get to the pub. And are you, are you going on a staycation? I've ordered mine. Booked it, booked it. So I'm not going to some grand villa in Europe. I'm actually going up to Yorkshire. Yeah, well, I think Cornwall will probably be the top of my priorities this summer as well. But I think... Is that you- so you can go surfing? I don't think so, no. Cornish pasties is more my thing than surfing. <laughs> Sharma's got a big job with business because he's, he's got to get business back on its feet. They've, they've paid out all these billions of, of pounds in furloughing, which is great. But now as the hard work really begins. And I think Alok Sharma knows that. I mean, Boris Johnson's approach, he believes in this thing which he calls boosterism, which is to try and get the economy going through sheer enthusiasm. And actually saw a bit of that in the Commons yesterday, I thought. Boris, I thought Boris was quite upbeat. He's good at delivering good news, but whether his brand of boosterism alone is going to be enough to get the economy moving is another matter. Simon, before we go into Boris's boosterism, um, which is quite hard to say after a pint of rosé, which I've not had, I have to add, um, I thought that the really important things that Alex Sharma did is he said we've got 9.2 million jobs protected by the furlough scheme. 
we know when that ends, we've already got the highest level of, of young people unemployment in the country. Mm. There's no kind of solution for working that out. We, this is part of the pride of the government, that, that the, the um, employment was at the highest ever level. When we come out of this, not only be, will the generation that will be most hit will be young people who have fewer skills, but we've also, um, he dodged the question about which industries would be hit. I know you love your cinemas, Simon, but they ain't going to open anytime soon. Most people have got used to watching Netflix, as you said, or watching things. You know, there's very little, I, I, I can see that there will be whole swathes of our, our society as we knew it that are just going to collapse. I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think while the emphasis, obviously, during the COVID crisis has been on protecting people's health, and that's primarily older people because they were more at risk, younger people were much less at risk. But I think as, as we go on now, the focus is, has to be much more on young people and the extent to which these measures have hit the economy and the prospects of these the, the young generation. You know, they're being called the C generation, the COVID generation. And it's exactly. already really hard for them to buy houses and job opportunities are few and far between. That's got to be the focus of the government for the next few years, I think. Forget about buying houses. They can, can't even afford to pay their rent. You know, this is a huge kind of ticking time bomb, a sociological one, a cultural one that, you know, we cannot... We're already abandoning a whole bunch of kids who aren't going to go back to school until September, if then. And then you've got this next generation who already felt disenfranchised. There are, there are huge social problems ahead for the government, I'm afraid. But go back to Boris and his boisterism. What do you like about that? I think what, one of the reasons Boris became Conservative leader, he won Brexit and he won the election by a big majority, is he does have this feel-good factor about him. And, and, and let's be honest, we've had a lot of leaders who lacked it, whether it was John Major or Theresa May. And I think Boris has got that. And, but whether or not he can convert that upbeat mood, that boosterism into more jobs, more exports, that's the really tricky thing. And that's the test that's going to be applied to Boris over the next few years. He became leader with this huge surge of enthusiasm. He's now got to deliver it in a much more concrete way. And he could never have dreamed that, that instead of sorting out Brexit and being the hero um, to the nation, uh, the nations, he's now, you know, way down in a disease he had himself. And, and, and I'm afraid that, you know, I saw the boosterism, but I didn't feel boosted. I think Boris is breathless. I can see the way he's reading his speeches as a former, you know, spin doctor. He's taking a breath between every few words. He hasn't recovered from this virus, Simon. I mean, you had it. I mean, how has it affected you? Yeah, well, it, it knocked me out for about for about three or four weeks, and and it and it has come back a little bit in just a little bit of terms of fatigue. And you're seeing reports of this now, of some people having sort of mild ME symptoms. I mean, my, my condition was mild compared to, to compared to most people who had it. But well, that's going to be it's going to be a physical test for Boris as well. I actually think he did quite well in the Commons yesterday, but he didn't look great walking the dog in the park. I must oh, admit. Jesus! He, you know that picture of him. Honestly, Simon, you know you've got this big fat, you know, bag of spuds walking a four-inch dog and looking completely exhausted. And when he said in the briefing, he said, "Well, uh, I'd love to go to restaurants, but it has. I have to think about my diet. What diet? Crikey! You know." <laughs> I've just got to tell you, Boris, whatever diet you're on, it ain't working, baby. 
All right, Simon, we're now on to your favourite bit, topical tune. Mm-hmm. And given the number of U-turns the government's rightly made, um, the lockdown started in the spring. It was easing in the summer. We've had 43,000 people dead and hundreds of thousands of people, uh, people grieving. My choice this week is a bird song. Can you guess what it is? Um, is it the one that goes you know, the cheap, cheap, and you flap, and you flap, and you flap? <laughs> no, it's not. It is this one. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. And a time to every purpose under heaven. My singing instructor says I can't sing the next bit. It goes a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to reap, a time to kill, a time to heal. A time, oh, I've got to get this right. A time to laugh, a time to weep. I got that all wrong at the end. Crikey. But that's what it says. That's it. Okay. Oh, jeez. Well, well, I really mucked that one up. It was one of the great songs by the birds. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, I thought your music was very pleased because you just you, you sang it in every single key that exists. <laughs> all at one go. Uh, well, it's, it's not. It's not a very high bar to beat with my top, <laughs> which which uh, I've chosen. Queens, I want to break free. Uh, oh, I love that. It's a bit of a cheat, really, because I think the song was probably written about uh, Freddie Mercury trying to break free from the stigma, the way that uh, homosexuals were stigmatised, etc. But nonetheless, I think all of us are feeling after three or four months after lockdown that the chance for us all to break cautiously free is yeah. just around the corner and it can't come too soon. I agree. I want to break free. I want to break free. I want to break free from your lies. Yeah, I'm so self-satisfied. I don't need you. I've got to break free. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Don't forget, you'll be able to listen back to this and all our other Mail Plus radio podcasts at mailplus.co.uk or via Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And join us next week for more political chat and wonderful songs. But for now, that's all from me, Simon Walters. And from me, Amanda Platel. One, two, a three. Good. Bye. Bye. Turn, turn, turn.